Your relationship with God can be like a spring-fed river that will never run dry. Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. Hey, good morning, everybody. You know, um, you know, I walk into different parts and places of the church throughout the day. And the other day, uh, earlier this morning, I walk into the K through third room, and there's some uh, some of our dream team helpers over there that help with our our kids ministry, and they're in there playing music and having fun. And I said, "Hey, this is church. I'm not supposed to be having fun. You're supposed to be praying and reading your Bible." No, I'm teasing. So church is a fun place to be. Uh, some of you are like, wow, man, this guy's weird. This is, I don't know if he's serious or if he's joking. I'm joking. Uh, you know, there's dad jokes and then there's church dad jokes. Um, here's one. What did Jonah's family say after he told them about his trip to Nineveh? Hmm, sounds fishy. Why was Moses' wife known for her famous dinner parties? Because she was the hostess with the Moses. <laughs> Which Bible character was super fit? I know you're thinking Samson, but it was Absalom. Anyway, enough of that. All right, you guys help me fill in the blanks here. Fill in the blanks. 2022 is the year that we are going to be shaped by the word and led by the spirit. All right, let's say it all together. We're going to be shaped by the word and led by the spirit. So we've spent the first many weeks talking about the, this first half of, of that theme. And today I want to shift our focus a little bit and look at that second half of being led by the spirit. And if you're going to be led by the spirit, I think it's reasonable uh, for us to know the person of the Holy Spirit, right? That would make sense. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. It's part of the Godhead. And before we go any further, I know we've, we're standing up, sitting down, standing up, sitting down, but let's go ahead and stand up again. We're going to honor the Word of God this morning, which all of it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, and we're going to read from the Gospel of John. So if you go ahead and turn in your Bible there to John chapter 7, and we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you right now for your word. We thank you that it is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We want to be shaped by your word and led by your spirit. We don't want to be shaped by this world. We don't want to be led by the desires of our flesh, but we want to be in tune with what your spirit is saying to us today. We want to be changed, transformed by the renewing of our minds, the washing of your word. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. Amen. John chapter 7, verse 37 through 39. Let's all read this out loud together. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. As you're seated, look in the eyes of the person next to you and very seriously just tell them, Absalom. When, when you declare Jesus as the Lord of your life and you really surrender your life to him, your inward spirit is reborn. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 3, and he uses this picture of being born again, right? That's where we get that term from is John's conversation with uh, Nicodemus. And Paul uses the same terminology throughout his letters to the churches. So the sinful spirit dies And now your spirit is made alive in Christ. You're a new creation. And then what happens is the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you. And Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. And in Ephesus, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 1, he tells them that God gave us the Holy Spirit as a sign that we belong to the family of God. That the metaphor that he uses is that the Holy Spirit is the family seal. You know, like. Long, long, many years ago, many moons ago, many centuries ago, every family had their family seal. And that's like what Paul is talking about here. He's like, the Holy Spirit is our family seal. And it's all very exciting. And then we're out just going on living our Christian lives. And throughout time, sometimes we can get bored and we get apathetic, empathetic. And we feel like there's got to be something more, but we're not exactly sure what that is. We're not exactly sure how we get it. You know, it's like, man, I have this sense that there's more than what I've experienced. I mean, I've read through the Gospels. I've read through the book of Acts, and I see all these exciting stories. But I've never experienced anything like that. I know I'm born again. I know I'm water baptized. I know, uh, you know, I'm at worship regularly. I'm part of a life group. I tithe. I do all this stuff, but I feel like there's this sense that there's more. I feel like there's something I'm missing out on, and I don't know what it is or how to lay hold of that. And to that, I say, you're absolutely right. Your life might be busy but it's not fulfilling. It might be chaotic, but it's still docile. It might be full of comfort, but you're still dissatisfied. Why? Because there's more than what you're experiencing. Here in America, much of our version of Christianity has been sterilized, it's been neutralized, institutionalized, compartmentalized, uh, pasteurized, homogenized. Uh, we, We talk about the person of the Holy Spirit and, and, and the role that the Holy Spirit plays, and we've downsized and domesticated the person and the work. And the Holy Spirit is meek and mild, but he's not just meek and mild. He's also strong and wild. And, and I would say that the Holy Spirit is the more of God that your heart is desiring and longing for. It's the more that you're longing for in your faith. And, and one of the descriptives of the Holy Spirit in the Bible is at Jesus' baptism. And we see there that the Holy Spirit descends upon Jesus in that moment in the form of a dove, and he lands upon Jesus. Uh, but also, how many of you know that uh, there is a group of, of people converted in the, in the fifth century, a people group called the Celts? And they had another picture of the Holy Spirit, and that was that he was also a wild goose. He was a wild goose. 
So, so the Holy Spirit is not just meek and mild. He's also strong and wild. And the Holy Spirit is part of your inheritance as a believer. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. But how many of you know you can have an inheritance, or you can be an heir to an inheritance, I should say, but because you are just completely unaware of that inheritance, or you're afraid of what that inheritance might include, you don't receive it. You may not even know it existed. A little more than 20 years ago, there was a homeless guy named uh, Thomas uh, Martinez, 67-year-old guy living on the streets of Santa Cruz, Bolivia. And his ex-wife had died, and in her will, she left him $6 million. And so the authorities are trying to find this guy and track him down and say, hey, you're an heir to $6 million fortune. And he got wind that authorities were looking for him, but he got scared, he got spooked because he thought, oh, they're, they're trying to track me down on drug charges or something. And he disappeared, never to be seen again. Didn't lay claim of that $6 million inheritance. He ran away from it because he misunderstood. He was ignorant of the truth. And unfortunately, a lot of believers are spiritual multimillionaires, but they don't know it. We've got this life-changing power and presence of the Holy Spirit available to us, but because of ignorance, because of fear, because maybe we've been told something different, and we believe something that really wasn't scriptural, uh, we find ourselves living in spiritual poverty compared to the full inheritance that belongs to us as believers. So you might be going through life and you're like, man, I feel like there's more. And God's like, yes, there is more. It's the Holy Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I want to lay hold of every single good thing that God has in his inheritance for me. I want my life to resemble the Holy Spirit-empowered lives of those that I read about in the Bible and all throughout church history. Can I get an amen? In John chapter 7, where we just read, the Feast of Tabernacles was being celebrated, and all of Israel is gathered in Jerusalem to observe this feast. And on the last day of the feast, the priest would perform this ceremony where they would take this special bowl. It wasn't like just a bowl out of your pantry, you know, like, oh, fiesta ware. You know, this is, no, this is a, a special bowl that was consecrated for ceremony. And they would take this bowl and they would walk out of the temple and they would walk to the Pool of Siloam, which the Pool of Siloam was fed by the, the springs of Gihon. And they would fill the bowl with this cool, refreshing spring water. And in procession back to the temple, they would sing, Great is the Lord and great is the Lord's mercy, along with some of the other Psalms of Ascent. And the high priest would then take this bowl and then pour this fresh, cool spring water out onto the burning coals of the altar where they would make their sacrifices. And this feast had been given to Israel by God 1,700 years prior to this day that we're reading about in John chapter 7. And every year, for 1,700 years, they're performing this same ceremony. Well, what was this all about? It was the type, it was the shadow of what was to come, that one day the Messiah would come, and after the Messiah came, God would pour out his spirit on all his sons and daughters. 
And we read about this in Joel chapter 2, and then we read about it again in Acts chapter 2, where, where Peter uh, hearkens back to that prophetic word. And, and earlier, when we read what Jesus said in this moment, let's look at this again, just real quick. In this moment, where this is all happening, Jesus says this, John chapter 7, verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood up and exclaimed, let anyone who thirsts come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from within him. Again, he said this in reference to the spirit that those who came to believe in him were to receive. There was, of course, no spirit yet because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Now, we all know that water is a vital part of life. Water is necessary to live. It's necessary to prepare food. It's necessary for drink. It's necessary for cleaning, for bathing, for all kinds of things. So now you think for a moment, Jesus, who he's talking to here? Who's his audience? He's talking to first century Jews who they're very familiar with just the system of cisterns. Cisterns were used for collecting rainwater, right? And so in the first century, you can't just go over to the kitchen sink and turn on the faucet and have clean, fresh water pouring from there. So they would use cisterns to collect rainwater. And whatever rainwater you could collect is what you had to use. That's what you had to use to drink from, to cook with, to bathe with, to clean with, to feed your animals, to, to, or to give animal, your animals to drink in the trough. So depending on how effective your cisterns were, that would determine the quality of your life, of how well you could live until the next rainfall. And even if you had really great cisterns that were, that were large and they actually held their water, if it didn't rain, you didn't have water. A cistern is dependent upon outside circumstances. But there's another way to get water, right? And that's you go to the source. You find that subterranean water. You dig a well. And now, any time that you want water, you've got it. You can go to the source and you can get it. You don't have to depend upon the rain any longer. You've tapped into an underground river. And here in John chapter 7, Jesus is saying that everything that you've been observing in this ceremony for 1,700 years, it's been pointing to me. You've been spiritually thirsty. What you've been spiritually for, thirsty for, I've come to quench that thirst. I've come to bring it to you. The more that you've been longing for, I'm here to give it to you. Your relationship with God doesn't have to be cistern-based anymore. It can be source-based. Your relationship with God can be fresh water-based. Your relationship with God can be like a spring-fed river that will never run dry. And what was Jesus talking about? He was talking about the person of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. The problem is that too many Christians are still living on a cistern-based system and not a source-based system. It's good that we have cisterns, but if we're only living on a cistern-based system, we're missing out on the fullness of our inheritance. We're missing out on that $6 million inheritance that Thomas Martinez was completely blind to and ran away from. We come to church, 
come to the prayer meeting. We get into a life group. Now we're in the right environments with the right people. And all of this is good, and you should have these things as part part of the regular rhythm of your life. But the presence of God comes and reigns, and now you've collected the spiritual rainwater in the cisterns of your experience. But we're trying to live off of that experience every single day while we're ignoring that there's a subterranean river flowing that we can tap into. We don't have to live from a cistern-based system anymore. We can live from a source-based system. But Jesus says, you don't have to live in a way that's dependent upon external circumstances to affect your internal spiritual condition. He gave us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. It's like a well that's dug down deep to that subterranean river, and it will never run dry. Say, it will never run dry. The Holy Spirit is the more that we're thirsty for. Let me just say this. The fact that you have an appetite, the fact that you actually are thirsty is an indicator that there is more. Your thirst is an indicator that there's more. Maybe you found yourself saying, God, I want more of you. I want to grow. I want to do the kind of stuff that I read about in, in the scriptures. I want to, I'm, I'm not satisfied, God, with hearing the stories of old, or whether it be in the scriptures or in church history or even just stories of, of 50 years ago or 100 years ago. I, God, I want to hear you like these people heard you. God, I want to trust you like these people trusted you. Your thirst, your hunger, your appetite is an indicator that there's more, that God has more for you. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, he said this, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you're not hungry, you don't have to worry. You won't be filled. If you're not thirsty, don't worry. It's not going to get crammed down your mouth, you know, it's like not like when you're a kid and your mom makes you eat all your green beans. It's like when you grow up and you're like, I want the green beans. They're good. These are French cut with a lot of butter on them. (laughs) These are sautéed to perfection, not overcooked like grandma used to do it. But anyway, the people who are hungry and thirsty are the ones who get filled. But the thing that we need to realize is that spiritual hunger and thirst doesn't operate exactly the same way that natural hunger and thirst operates. In the natural realm, we get hungry and we get thirsty when we haven't had food, when we haven't had water in a long time. But spiritual hunger and thirst is different because the more of God that you get, the more of God that you want. The, hung, the more that you consume, the more that you experience, the hungrier and thirstier for more that you become. So some of you are like, well, what do I do if I don't feel hungry? What do I do if I don't feel thirsty? I know I should be hungry and thirsty for the things of God, but I'm not feeling it. I want it, but how do I get hungry and thirsty? Well, you got to stir it up. 
You got to stir it up. I don't feel like re- reading my Bible. Read anyway. I don't feel like praying. Pray anyway. I don't feel like getting up and going to church. Go anyway. <laughs> I don't feel like getting plugged into a life group. Get plugged in anyway. I don't feel like singing out loud and raising my hands. Sing louder and raise your hands higher anyway. I don't feel like giving. Give anyway. I don't feel like serving. Serve anyway. Why? What are you doing? You are doing the things that help stir up spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst. You're not just doing the things to just please God or jump through all the little church hoops that you've got to jump through to to earn brownie points with Jesus. No, what you're doing is you're stirring up your own spiritual hunger. And what's going to happen is that the more of God that you get, the more of God you'll desire. Mm -hmm. And your appetite is an indicator that there's more, and that more is the person of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said that if you're hungry and thirsty, you'll be filled. We've put so much emphasis on methods and materials and education and intelligence and academia, and all of that's great. There's nothing wrong with that as long as it's subservient to the main thing. As long as it doesn't water down our theology about who God is and who he's called us to be and what he's called us to do. But that's what a lot of people have done. Somehow along the way, the power of the Holy Spirit got diluted. Some say, well, signs and wonders aren't for today. And prayer and visions and dreams and laying hands on the sick and words of knowledge and words of wisdom and all the spiritual gifts and praying in the spirit, praying in tongues, it's been watered down. And I don't know about you, but I'm not content with skim milk. Oh, believe in Jesus and you get to go to heaven. And in the meantime, just be a good little Christian. You know what kind of theology that leads to? Or or, or do you know what kind of theology that, that leads your life to? It leads to boredom and powerlessness. It's like being spiritually sterilized. Shooting blanks. Some of y'all get that on the way home. Why in the world would we allow Islamic jihadists to be more passionate about their cause when we have the cause of Jesus? Uh, Our friend Kendra is wearing his Ram shirt today. I'm really so, I'm happy for you, brother. I didn't have a dog in that hunt last week. But there's a lot of people who are paying thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars because they were excited about a football game and they would be there. I mean, some of those tickets were $50,000 a ticket. Some of them. The lower ones were like 4000 So, And they're excited about that, but that has no eternal value. And I'm not bashing football. I'm saying let's get an eternal perspective. And what are we going to be passionate about? What are we going to be hungry and thirsty about? Are we going to be hungry and thirsty for the things of this world? Or are we going to be hungry and thirsty for the things of the kingdom that are eternal, that will not burn up, that will not be consumed? Would you stand up with me?
We're going to read this last passage, and we're going to spend these last few moments together in song, and we're going to cry out to the Holy Spirit, and I want you to just stir up your hunger and thirst, and some of you, your, your hunger and thirst level is already up here, and you're being filled, but guess what? There's always room for more. There's always room for more. There's never a bottom of the barrel with God. You know, sometimes you go to the pantry and you're like, oh my gosh, there's nothing here. We need to go to the store. No, when you go to the pantry of God, it's always full. Luke chapter 11, I want you to listen what Jesus says here. Verse 9, he says, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the doors will be opened. And you know what he was talking about? Listen to this, verse 11. This is what he's talking about. You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? No, of course not. Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? No, of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Some of us in this place have believed a lie that, well, everybody else can get it, but I can't. Everybody else has had this experience, but I don't know what my problem is. I just can't tap into what it is that everybody else has got. Jesus made the promise, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be answered to you. If you're hungry and thirsty, you will be filled. So let's stir it up. Wherever you are on this journey with the Holy Spirit, and there's so much more, there's so much more. We just barely scratched the surface today. We're just barely scratching the surface today of the person and the joy that it is to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit and the transformation that he wants to make in your life and the transformation that he wants to make through your life. He's got gifts to give to you so that you can use them, so you can build the kingdom of God, so you can do the works of Jesus. So like, oh, those things, those passed away. No, you show me in here the date where those things were supposed to die. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I, and I love my brothers and sisters in Christ who even some of them believe that. I love them. But I'm going to have to disagree with you on that point. I'll be in fellowship with you. But I'm going to go out and I'm going to be used by Jesus. I'm going to do the works of Jesus. And I'm going to lay hold of every good thing that he has in store for me. And I want, Paul said, desire the gifts. Desire them. Why? Because if you desire them, you'll get them. I mean, the primary way that God works and moves on the earth today is through his people. Yes, he's sovereign. Yes, he can do things outside of us. But he has us here for a mission to use us. So let's stir it up. Let's stir it up. Would you just go ahead and lift your hands right now? Oh, but I don't feel like lifting my hands. Lift them higher. <laughs> just stir it up. So we want more. Holy Spirit, you're welcome. You're welcome in my heart. You're welcome in my home. You're welcome in this church. 
You're welcome in my community. You're welcome in my kids' schools, God. You're welcome at my workplace. You're welcome in my kitchen. You're welcome in my bedroom. God, I just pray over your people as they stir up their hunger that you would begin to fill them. You'd begin to fill their hunger and their thirst. And God, even then, it it wouldn't satisfy because they'd just be hungry for more. Be hungry for more. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing, leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.